Hi, this is Ray Clawson, and I'm a guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Are you ready? It is time for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 500. And 65 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have a three-time Emmy Award-winning set production designer, and uh, he has, you know, just, he's done nine Oscars. He's done 26 American Music Awards, and he's done shows for uh, sets for shows for Cher and the Smothers Brothers and Bing Crosby and Natalie Cole, and, and it just goes on and on. He has a new book out. It's called Behind the Scenes from Hollywood to Broadway. It's Ray Clausen. He's going to be joining us here in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, so get ready for that. It's a, it's a lot of fun listening to him talk about all these actors and actresses that he's worked with over the years, so it's a lot of fun. Got a good one coming at you, so uh, get ready for that. And, of course, we've got uh, all the old episodes coming up, like I've always keep telling you. Eventually, we will have caught up, but I'm still, you know, we've done so many over the years that uh, we just want to get them up there so you can uh, listen to them again. And, uh, the, you know, by changing over to another provider, I needed to split them up and all this stuff. So, anyways, that's... Uh, that, those are up there. Tell a friend and get on screen and beyond out there to more and more people. And we also have a lot of countries all over the world and a lot of states in the United States. Well, I, all the, I think we have some people in every state in the United States. And uh, there's just so many towns and cities and places that people are listening. It's, it's great. And I love hearing from you. You can communicate me, with me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com or if you go to anchor.fm on-screen-and-beyond, then you can uh, actually have a button there where you can make a message, a voice message. You can talk. You don't even have to type anything. You can just talk. And uh, send it off, and I'll get it. And uh, love to hear from you. See what you, uh, you know, are thinking about the show. If you have a suggestion or anything like that, we uh, really do love hearing from you. So appreciate that. So uh, why don't we get ready right into it? It's time now for remake madness on on screen and beyond. Up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like uh, TV is getting into that mode of remakes, too, just like the movies has been doing. On October 25th, the premiere date for the remake of 4400 on the CW. Now, the original show was on USA Network, but they're remaking it, so uh, it hasn't even been that long, I don't think. And a remake of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is coming to Peacock. And it's in the casting phase right now. And we'll keep you informed as we hear more. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies. Well, it looks like Morgan Freeman will star in an action thriller called Moody. And uh, I'm not sure if I said that right, but uh, <laughs> that's what we'll go with for now. And it will also star Yellowstone's Cole Hauser. 
And Moonfall, a new Roland Emmerich film, comes our way on February 4th, 2022, and it stars Halle Berry. And it's about uh, the moon getting knocked from its orbit, and she and two others attempt to save the Earth. Now that sounds like a Roland Emmerich film. And the 82-year-old Francis Ford Coppola, he wants to make his dream project. It's a sci-fi movie called Megalopolis, and... He is looking for an all-star cast. And from what I hear, the people are talking to, this will be a humongous all-star cast. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, as far as sequels, The Accountant 2 is going to happen, they say, and it looks like Ben Affleck and John Bernthal will return. And The Matrix Resurrections will hit theaters and HBO Max on December 22nd, 2021. And the fourth Expendables movie is on the way. Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, and Randy Kutcher and Dolph Lundgren will return. And that's it for her sequels. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD on October 5th, Clarice, season one, makes DVD. And The Stand, the TV series, arrives in stores on October 5th. And on October 12th, Black Lightning, season four, streaks onto Blu-ray and DVD. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, Crime Story with Richard Dreyfus and Myrna Sorvino will be coming to DVD on October 12th. And also on October 12th, The Green Knight rides on to DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. And The Haunting of Bly Manor. And that goes to Blu-ray and DVD on October 12th. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. <laughs> TV and entertainment time. Well, Manifest, uh, as you know, was on NBC, and uh, then they canceled it, and now it's going to be taken over by Netflix, and they're getting a season four out of it. So uh, who knows what else they'll go if they keep going with that one, but uh, Manifest is going to be coming back. And Cobra Kai, well, it's uh, that's another one of those shows that uh, was on another network, and it bounced over, renewed, and got up. But uh, Cobra Kai has been renewed for a fifth season on Netflix, so they keep those things going. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have one of those people who make the show that you're watching look good. He is a set and production designer, Ray Clausen, three-time Emmy winner. He has a new book out called Behind the Scenes from Hollywood to Broadway. Got a lot of great stories. He's going to give us an idea of what's in the book. Nine Oscar shows he's done. 
and uh, the American Music Awards and and Cher and all these other ones. So uh, we're going to hear all about that. Ray Clausen next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is a three-time Emmy Award-winning set and production designer who designs have been seen on nine Oscar shows, 26 American Music Award shows, Miss America pageants, the TV show sets of Cher and the Smothers Brothers, as well as specials for Bing Crosby and Natalie Cole, and many, many more. His book... Is coming out, and it's called Behind the Scenes from Hollywood to Broadway. It's Ray Clausen. Ray, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Ray, I mean, just in this introduction, uh, it's amazing what I told, but there's so much more that you have done. It's, it's. I, I was looking at the the press release, and it's like, I mean, you're a gold well, mine. I've been around a. <laughs> I've been around a long time, and I was the luckiest man I've ever met. Uh, I got to tell you that uh, I had this dream. When I was like 15 years old, I had a high school English teacher who took me to see a Broadway show, and I fell in love with it. And from then on, I would go every Friday night, get on the Long Island Railroad, and get standing room because it was it was a lot of money for me, but it was, I think, $7 a, a pop, uh, whatever. Anyway... So uh, I always dreamt of being involved in theater, but, you know, it's not a very practical business to to tackle. And uh, I just, I thought, well, it's not going to work. So I I took a course, I was going for a master's degree at NYU, and I took a course in set designing, and I had this wonderful teacher named uh, Patton Campbell, and he said, you ought to go to Yale, Ray. And I thought, well... That's not going to happen. First of all, I didn't think I was bright enough. And second of all, I figured out the money on it, and I had about enough to get me through a year and a half of the three-year program. And I thought, oh, gosh. Well, let's just try it. Um, I can always tell people that I went to Yale, even if I didn't graduate. But I was lucky. Uh, It was a tough, tough school. I mean, we had 17 design students uh, every year. And they would cut the class and cut the class. The class before me, only two people made it through. But you know, it had a lot to do with the reality of the business. It's a tough business. Mm. But I miraculously was in the right place at the right time. I um, I can remember when I first went out to Hollywood and, and worked as a scenic artist painting scenery for the Smothers Brothers and Red Skelton, people like that, wow. and Carol Burnett. And later on, I got to work with those people, which was kind of amazing to me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what happened was is that um, I was at a cocktail party, and I heard someone say, uh, yeah, we're going to change agents. And I heard the word agents, and I got into the conversation. I said, I'm looking for an agent, too, myself. I, w- I usually had done my homework, but I, I knew that agents were important, but I had not a clue as to what they actually did. And uh, the guy said, well, let me see if I can, you know, parlay this into something. And he called me the next day and he said, 
well, go over to Ashley Famous. You have a, a meeting with Sandy Warnick. Well, I had that meeting with him, and uh, the one thing that I got from Yale, besides a great deal of confidence, was a fabulous portfolio. I mean, you worked three years really, really hard, and my portfolio was a good portfolio. Anyway, I'm starting my dog and pony show with him, and he stopped me in the middle of it, and I thought, oh, God, I've screwed up. I'm not going to get this. And he went over to the phone and picked up, his, and he spoke to someone up above, and he said, uh, you better get down here right now. And the guy came down, and I went through the whole portfolio again, and they offered me a job. Uh, they offered to represent me. And I, you know, I, mean, I was really naive. I said, well, what if we don't get along? They said, well, it'll be good for a year. Well, 26 years later, I was still with Sandy Wernick, and he made my career. <laughs> I mean, he just got open doors. I used to say to Sandy, you open the door, and I'll make sure that door stays open. And uh, I, I, well, I've done over 425 shows. Uh, besides a lot of television, I've done uh, nine Broadway shows, I think it is, and uh, a bunch of off-Broadway shows, a lot of theater. So I, I got to live my dream. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was besides the fact that I had some really interesting experiences with various celebrities and so forth, I wanted some kid who had a dream to read it and realize it can happen. I mean, it's a crapshoot. It's very, very difficult. And boy, you better be willing to work hard because uh, 75, 80 hours a week was normal. You just worked real, real hard and kept your eyes open. And whenever there was an opportunity, you grabbed it. I never, ever had to do anything dishonest or to do anything to manipulate the system. I just was lucky. I was beautifully trained, and I had a talent. Don't ask me to spell. Don't ask me to learn a part of my language. <laughs> I am borderline moronic, but I can design the hell out of a, a show. For our listeners who don't know what a set or production designer is, can you give give them an idea of what what you do? Good. Yeah, good question. What basically happens is the phone rings, and it's either producer or my agent calling up saying, uh, Bing Crosby has a show coming up, and we'd like to know if you're available to do the show. And um, I, I used to take anything that came down the pike. I didn't care if it was small potatoes or a huge, huge show. I just took it because it was always something to learn. And basically what my job was is I would go there, talk to the producer, the director, uh, sell them to the star, but we would then decide what approach we would take to the show, and I'd go back to my office and take out a pad of paper, a pad of paper and a pencil and start working at it. And um, I've always been greedy for new ideas and trying new materials and so forth, and whenever possible, I would apply them to that. But basically, my job was to come up with approach of what it, the show will look like, how it will fit in with the star, 
what we'll do with any guest celebrities and so forth. We're talking about television now. With mm-hmm. theater, it's a little bit different. But anyway, uh, then I sort of present my ideas, sometimes in model form and uh, sometimes in sketches. And uh, then, uh, I mean, I was so lucky to have my time at Yale because they really taught me how to pitch a show. And uh, if we have time, I'll tell you about one with the Academy Award show, which was hair-raising. But anyway, uh, you then present the ideas, and then if they like them, uh, your assistants help you with either making a model or uh, getting it down on paper, basically. Uh, And they're they're drafted up and taken to shops for bids. Uh, Very often, you'll take them to like three different shops, and you know, so you can get competitive bids, and um, being able to handle budgets is a very, very important part of the uh, process. Because you go over budget too many times, you're not going to be hired. Mm-hmm. And I was known for knowing how to get a big bang out of the buck, and um, I it just was a wonderful, wonderful game. And then, ultimately, you supervise whichever shop is building the set, and you make sure that it's done the right way, it's painted properly, that it'll move the way you want, and all of all those things that you would like it to do. And then uh, you uh, talk to the choreographer and uh, the director, and then the day comes when you load it into the theater or to the stage. And that's exciting. It's like Christmas. I mean, it's just wonderful to see your work put up. And uh, and then you work with the lighting designer and how it's going to be lit and so forth. And then they throw it all away oh, after geez. it's been taped. <laughs> it's all good. And people say, oh, how can you bear it? Well, you know what? It's seen by millions of people. Yeah. When I did Elvis Presley's last show, it was seen by the world. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. It was something bizarre, like one out of three people on the face of the earth saw that show. Jeez. I mean, it was just, you know, to have that sort of exposures is quite, quite rewarding. Was that the Aloha Although, from Hawaii? Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. I had a funny thing happen with that. That show, the <laughs> producers came to me and said, you know, there are a lot of very, very important people coming to see this show, and we didn't, we can't fit everyone into the primary seats. So we want you to set up a green room. Now, a green room is sort of a holding area for very important people. And I, I said, so? And they said, well, we want you to create a fabulous green room. And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, show me where. And they showed me this hideous storeroom that was part of the theater. <laughs> Now, and I was used to doing green rooms backstage at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion for the Oscars and stuff like that. And I thought, well, okay. Uh, I said, you know, but it's still going to be a storeroom. They said, oh, no, you'll do your magic, Ray. So I had the place all carpeted in a, a plush green carpeting, and I had enough orchids moved in so that I could have opened up a small flower shop. And I had wicker furniture put in, and there were food stations and bars set up. I mean, it really looked kind of smashing, if I do say myself. And they all loved it. I said, yeah, but you know, it's still a storeroom. And they said, oh, no, no, no. And shortly after that, 
a rat the size of a oh. large cat ran across the room with all these women in their moo-moos screaming. <laughs> and I just, I just thought it was a riot. But the oh. thing is, the story is, is that I get to do all sorts of weird, wonderful things. That's like I get to play. Yeah. Uh, you you better play better than any other kid on the block, or you just won't get the phone calls. But I, you know, I just loved loved my work. Well, I would never I, have. Uh, yeah. I would have never have thought of. I mean, we're used to seeing, you know, what we see on the screen, but I never even thought of, you know, the green room. I didn't oh, think, sure. you know, that you wouldn't even have thought of that because we don't see it, you know, the, the average person watching a show. But, yeah, you want to impress those people, too. That's right. Well, I did a, a show on Broadway with Lauren Bacall and Rosemary Harris uh, called Waiting in the Wings. And it was about an old age home in England. And uh, the cast was appropriately cast as old people because they were old people. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, if you're not the star, you may not get a dressing room on the floor level of the stage. You may have to climb one or two flights up mm-hmm. uh, to get to a tiny little dressing room. And so what what does a person do when you're off stage for, say, 25 minutes? How can they rest? And I, I went to the producer and I said, you know, I've done green rooms for the Oscars. If you will give me some money, I'll do a green room on either side of the stage so the actors can go there, have a little cup of tea, talk quietly, read a magazine or whatever, mm-hmm. and rest. And boy, was I a hit with those actors. Yeah, I'm but, sure. you know, you, it just, wonderful things happen that you, the average person the audience would never know about. Right, yeah. Uh, Interesting. And then, of course, the celebrities are just fantastic. They're just uh, they're not around for any length of time because they're nothing but they have to be special. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I met such wonderful, wonderful people. Who's uh, the most uh, uh, my two- person you were impressed with to, to me? I mean, you've met so many or worked with so many people. Who was the one that, you know, really knocked you out? Wow. <laughs> it's a tie between. B. Arthur and Miss Piggy. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Who would, wouldn't she love to know that she was up in competition with a piece of foam rubber? <laughs> right. I got to tell you, uh, I was doing a show with uh, Miss Piggy, and um, what what you do is you go around the studio and you check and make sure all the sets are ready to go for when the director wants to shoot them. And I was wandering around, and I was walking by a dressing room set that I had done for Miss Piggy that was all pink taffeta tufted walls and a heart-shaped mirror over dressing table, flowers everywhere, and a chaise long. And suddenly I heard, oh, Rainy Pooh. And I said, look, and there was Miss Piggy trying out her chaise. So <laughs> we stopped. I stopped and chatted with her, and she was just absolutely delightful, tossing her curls all around and taking everything in and so forth and so on. And after a while, I realized I had to, you know, go and check some more stuff. I had to get going. And so I just thought I had said nicely that I had to get moving. And I got a little <laughs> way away from the set. And I certainly heard this voice saying, but Ramey Poe, couldn't I have more flowers? <laughs> <laughs> and she got more flowers. <laughs> uh, 
Wow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and B. Arthur was just extraordinary. What a good person. She's one of the few people I worked with who became a good friend, and I cannot say enough about her. She was just, just wonderful. Uh, kind and giving and funny, and boy, did she love her dirty jokes. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my partner, John, and I went out to Los Angeles once when we were living in New York, and uh, be lived out there. We would always take her out for lunch. So we're in this little mom and pop uh, restaurant, very quiet, and uh, B had a hearing problem. So I whip out my list of dirty jokes and I start telling this one that's rather <laughs> filthy. <laughs> she's eating it up, except that she can't really hear it well. So she said, Ray, a little louder, please. So I made it a little louder and she said, please, a little louder. And before I knew it, the whole restaurant was deathly quiet. They were all listening to this joke. <laughs> and I, I delivered the punchline. The place exploded, and I had to repeat the line for B because she didn't catch it. Oh, <laughs> so it was just, you know, but it was just, she. I cannot say enough about how kind she was. Uh, at one point, uh, I needed to do a benefit for the uh, Alley Forney Center, which gets gay kids off the streets and into supervised housing. And uh, so her accompanist, uh, Billy Goldenberg, was a very good friend of mine. And I I talked to him and I said, do you think we get B to do her one-woman show for one night and raise some money for the organization? And he said, well, let me go talk to her. And once it was explained to her, she was on board. And she was just fabulous. She said, <laughs> I remember she said, Ray, she said, when I, I hate winters, and this is going to be in the winter. When I moved to California for full time, I gave away all my winter clothes. But you know what? I'll go over to Angie's house and borrow some clothes, Angela Lansbury, because we were both uh, large women, tall. So. And uh, so she came in and she did her show. And I really worked hard to make her happy. Uh, you know, I got terrific people around her and so forth. And uh, at the end of it, she said, Ray, I had such a good time. that I'm going to leave a little something to the organization in my will. And I said, oh, that's very, very nice. I didn't realize that she was dying of cancer at the time. And when she passed away, she left $300,000 wow. to the organization. And we had raised about 40000 So that that evening equated to a third of a million dollars. And from that, it was the seed money for getting New York City to donate an old house that had been abandoned. And, this, and other people contributed. And now they have this wonderful, wonderful home that can sleep 17 kids, gay kids, get them off the streets and into a supervised housing and give them some direction in their lives. So wow. I cannot say enough about her. She just was wonderful. 
Jeez, that's that's fabulous great. woman. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> now, over the years, I mean, I'm looking at the list of the people that you've done work for with uh, Dorothy Lamour, Jane Mansfield, Carol Burnett, Frank Sinatra, Dick Clark, Elvis, Lena Horne, Dean Martin, Joan Crawford, uh, Barbara Streisand, Cindy Lauper, Diana Ross, Prince, Michael Jackson, Madonna. I mean, of all those people, I never would have thought that B. Arthur and Miss Piggy were the ones that blew you away. <laughs> <laughs> But did well, you work to with have all a those? sense of humor? <laughs> did you work yeah. with all well, those? Well, some some of the people I came in contact with, like uh, Dorothy Lamour, was uh, when I first started out. I was doing summer stock, and she was coming through for a week to do her show. DeBarry was a lady, and um, she arrived on a rainy weekend day, and uh, I felt so bad for her because. She was supposed to be playing this glamorous, beautiful woman, and she she really looked like she should have had a shopping cart in front of her. She looked dumpy and like she she didn't look special at all. And then I heard that she, they were going to start her off her show off with her in a sarong, like she used to do with Bing, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby in those movies. And I thought, oh, you poor woman. And I remember standing in the wings watching her as the music played in the overture and as it went through it was amazing i saw years roll off her her posture changed her attitude changed and she went out there and she looked like a hot 30 some odd year old woman she was amazing wow uh just yeah but i mean i didn't really work with her i worked around her mm -hmm. but a lot of them i worked very much with i mean there were, there were favorites like linda carter i loved uh because she was just a nice is a nice lady yeah. and i could do wonderful things with her because she was so incredibly beautiful and share oh bob Mackey and i had so much fun with share because share could do anything she could pull anything off and so we just, the bar was set so high, it just brought out the best in us. Yeah. Yeah, some of the sets that you've done are amazing. I mean, you know, especially, like, some of the Oscar ones, the things are just so grand. I mean, it, it's it's just, you know, so, so such beautiful sets and everything. And That's uh, the idea, make it grand and beautiful. Right, yeah. And hopefully you do. Yeah. I mean, over the years, it seems I to get... have gone downhill, though. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not knocking them, but I mean, you know, some of the ones that I it's noticed different. that you did were were just, you know, it, it was what Holly, it was Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do the ultimate one on that when I did Jubilee for the MGM Grand. Um, that show ran for 34 years, mm -hmm. and it had a cast of over 100 people in it, and I had pretty much an unlimited budget and I had two years to design it in and I think it was eight assistants it was big and it was fun and I got to do wonderful crazy things and then I've done small stuff I did this tiny little show for Dick Clark when I was first starting off and they paid me in fruit trees <laughs> <laughs> because he had a deal which was called BX where there was a catalog, and they would do an exchange for a certain amount of exposure uh, for a product. Uh, they would get the use of that product 
um, if a client wanted it. Mm-hmm. And I went through this client, and I just bought a house, and the first time I had a garden of my own, and I bought three fruit trees with my fee for that show. And um, But they were magical trees because they were all grafted. So one branch was oranges, another lemon, limes, another tree had tangerines and so forth. Wow. It was just, but it was crazy. You know, it was crazy. I loved Dick Clark. He was such a, a crazy man. Huh. Uh, he, he, um, he hated paying royalties. Oh, really? And I, and I designed the award, the American Music Award. And so my thrift agent, Sandy Wernick, said, you're going to get $300 a year for every year that they use that award. And I said, Sandy, in, in 40 years, that'll buy me an arrow shirt. Well, not maybe an arrow shirt, but certainly a, uh, a Robert Graham shirt. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, Dick resented hating. He resented paying this royalty. So uh, the first year I got a check. The second year, a messenger came and he had handed me three hundred one dollar bills. Well, I'm not going to let that one pass. So I scrounged up a hundred pennies, put them in a, a box, and sent the messenger back saying, with a message saying, "You overpaid me by a dollar." And then it was open warfare. I mean, he did outrageous things. One time I went to his office to collect my fee, and I was told to wait outside his office. And there were people scurrying around in and out. When I got finally called into the office, he had gotten $1 bills in sheets from the uh, where they make money mm-hmm. in Washington or wherever it is. And they he had had them pinned up all over his office. So his wall office was wallpapered in dollar bills. <laughs> it is funny. I mean, it was just it was the whole whole career has been one incredible walk. Great responsibility. I mean, if you have say a hundred people working on your crew to put on an Academy Award show, you cannot screw up. You have got to deliver on time, on budget and be smiling even if, you know, a nightmare is going on somewhere backstage. Yeah. Uh, you just learn that. You know, it's uh, it becomes a great game. But as I said, you have to play better than any other kid on the block or they take your ball away from you. That's mm-hmm. all. <laughs> yeah. Now, behind the scenes from Hollywood to Broadway, what made you decide to write this book? It was a combination of things. Uh, in, I think it was 1976, I was doing an Andy Williams television series, and I was sitting with one of my favorite lighting designer, Carl Gibson, and we were talking about how lucky we were. We were in such a blessed, blessed career. And uh, I said, you know, we should keep a journal. And Carl said, absolutely. Well, that next day, I started my journal. Carl never did, but I've got, <laughs> if you line up the journals, it's like over six feet of, of pages and pages and pages of experiences. Wow. And I thought, you know, that should be shared because I really, it's a testimony to what can happen if you're lucky, if you work hard, if you pay attention, if you take some risks and so forth. So my book is really about that whole 
whole experience of what was it like to work with Pearl Bailey when she was, you know, a tad difficult and also a dream. I mean, she was such a conflicted person. Um, it's, you know, uh, creating a look for the Kennedy Center honors, uh, it was just such an honor, no pun intended. Um, and then, of course, there there are two chapters in the book that say, when things go wrong, and boy, can they go wrong. And the secret is, of course, never, ever let anyone know that something is going wrong. So you just, uh, you just cover your tush and uh, smile a lot and get it fixed. And uh, that's been my life. It's just, wow. and I wanted to share it. Uh, it's it just was great fun, and uh, and you know what? My mother used to say, "The more you put out, the more you get back." It's not the reason you do it, but it seems to be true. And as a result of this, I discovered that I can actually write quite well, and so now I'm working on a novel. So oh. it's an ongoing, growing. Uh, life. Wow. And um, I'm loving it. It's, I'm just having the best time. Yeah. Can you, can you give us a, a, a hint of what the, the novel's about, or is it still too early and you'd rather not? <laughs> well, when I first started this book, you know, behind the scenes from Hollywood to Broadway, my editor gave, sat me down and gave me a big lecture because I had written the book and she said, Ray, you should have done an outline. And I, I thought, well, I'll just do it chronologically, you know, whatever. And, so forth. and she was right, because certain things had to be moved around and so forth. And that's kind of was kind of her job to help guide me do that. But you better believe that in writing a novel, I've been sitting down and working on that outline. I am not going to start writing that book until I know where everything is going so that I don't have to backtrack and rewrite things mm-hmm. and so forth. So it's just, it's just a wonderful game. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, and I love growing and getting better at things. And, and if I can believe people who really know uh, the business, uh, they tell me that my book is really good. I hope so. Yeah. I want it to be good for others. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, Ray, um, uh, it, it sounds like anybody who likes, you know, is a fan of Hollywood, this is a book that they want to check out behind the scenes from Hollywood to Broadway. And uh, it's it's coming out in e-format and also in paperback, you said? Yes. Yep. Yes. And uh, um. I'd, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> 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 and and this takes us away from your book and everything that you've done, all the beautiful sets that you've made over the years and everything, and all the dollar bills you got from Dick Clark and everything. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And all what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Wow. That's a difficult one. Um my favorite movie of all time is All About Eve because it's impeccable in terms of the script and the acting and so forth. And I was lucky enough to have done the American Film Institute to Betty Davis and got to talk with her a bit uh, about that movie uh, when uh, she was there to accept the award. 
and uh, that was fascinating. And uh, there's a, she told me about Mankiewicz directing her in it, and she wasn't quite sure how to play a certain scene. Uh, and it's the one when she has a fight with her uh, boyfriend, and uh, Mankiewicz said, "See that." jar of candy over there that bowl of candy the angrier you get at him the more you want a piece of that candy and you're on a diet and I mean if you see that scene I mean it's just fantastic <laughs> at the end when she grabs a piece of chocolate and shoves it in her mouth hmm. uh, just so I mean there's things like that uh, anyway uh, it's kind of, uh, and you're what was the other question? It was TV shows favorite. and movies. What's your favorite TV shows and movies? Ah, uh, uh, and they can be more than one. It's 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 not. Uh, no, no, no. But it's it's like uh, I get hooked on series like The Crown and Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. and it's something I never did. I never got to do myself, and uh, but I so admire the craftsmanship uh, of the writing, how they're those shows are cast, how the actors grow in their parts, and, of course, visually, how uh, these these series are executed by the uh, production's uh, set designers, you know. Yeah. Do it's you just, find yourself... Uh, I just said... Oh, yeah. 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 I don't envy, though, because <laughs> I know what it's... I don't... I know what it's like to do that type of work. I did one movie on the lark uh, called the weirwood the werewolf of woodstock it was a real piece of garbage <laughs> but i found out what was required and uh, in terms of time and it's it's a killer i mean you you get up very early in the morning and you go out to location and uh, before the sun comes up, and then you start shooting out of doors. You shoot all day long, and then as the sun starts to fade, you go indoors and shoot scenes indoors, and then maybe at 10 o'clock at night, you grab a quick bite to eat, and you pack up all everything you need for the next day, and then you have to get up at 3 the next morning. I mean, it's just grueling, and I just, uh, it didn't appeal to me. Uh, I didn't mind working really hard, in small spurts, but I didn't want to get, you know, uh, stuck mm-hmm. on a long movie and a shoot like that, which is unfortunate because those, that particular type of uh, work maybe lives on a little longer than my work. I don't know. Uh, all I know is I had a heck of a good time. Yeah. And um, how many people can say that? Right, yeah. Well, Ray, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to t- share with us uh, your, about your book and your, your career and everything. And I wish you luck with behind the scenes from Hollywood to Broadway. People should go out and get the book and in whatever format they like, e-format or paperback. <laughs> and uh, I thank you so much for taking the time. You're more than welcome. It's been great fun talking to you. And a big shout-out going to Ray Clausen for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Thank him so much for taking the time to share with us and give us those great stories about uh, 
Hollywood. Uh, I mean, you know, he goes back to some of those shows that uh, and the, the actors he's worked with that, uh, you know, were old Hollywood. And of course, he's done a lot of new stuff, too. And, you know, you don't do nine Oscar shows without knowing what you're doing. And he's got his new book out. Be sure to check that out behind the scenes from Hollywood to Broadway. And you can catch that, uh, you know, at all your bookstores or on uh, Amazon or wherever you get your books. So we want to thank him for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And be sure to uh, keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. Tell a friend, go to, um, leave a review, anything you can do to help us and uh, get the word out about us. Uh, we are on uh, a lot, actually, on um, Instagram. And I've got uh, constantly putting up pictures and things up there. And then we add them also to Twitter and Facebook, and, we, you know, we just keep going. But uh, uh, Instagram is where we put a lot of them immediately, and then we filter them down to the other ones. So uh, be sure to be looking for those and uh, always put up a nice little picture of the, who the person is and everything that we have in the show. And I uh, hope you enjoy those. And so if you want to follow us there, you can. And also uh, go to onscreenandbeyond.com. We keep updating that uh, websites and uh, we're, we're kind of behind on that one i just haven't had time to do it uh, as much as i should but uh, you know trying to keep up with the doing shows every day every week and everything uh it gets a little hectic and i'm trying to do as much as i can but we appreciate your patience and also uh, hope you'll keep listening to on screen and beyond we thank you so much if you want to get uh, you know talk with me or uh, email me or give me a suggestion for somebody that you'd like to hear Send it to feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com or if you go to anchor fm slash on dash screen dash and dash beyond. <laughs> I think I got them all in there. Uh, you can uh, turn around and you go there and you will see a little button that says, uh, I don't know if it says send a message or whatever, a voice message or something like that. But do you click on that? It lets you record the message. Then you just submit it and I will get it. And uh, I, I, you know, if I get some of those, then uh, we may use them in the show if you want, uh, depending on what you're saying. You know, if, if you're, if you are just, you know, talking about uh, just what you'd like to hear or something, you, you we, we may use it. Do we don't know. We'll see. Anyways, uh, we'd appreciate that. Uh, so uh, keep listening. Tell a friend. Like us. Follow us. Do everything that you can on the social media and everything. And also on the podcast and uh, get us uh, going on there. So that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>